The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by The Skinny Confidential. If you have not tried the body sculptor, you are missing out. I just used it on my Instagram. You got to go look. It's so good to break up cellulite, fascia, but most importantly, it just like sculpts your body. I was on vacation recently and I used it with an oil the whole time. And I used it before I got in a bikini. And I am not kidding you. It like takes water weight off your legs. It's incredible. I designed it so it has like a little divot for the butt, a little divot for the arm and a little divot for the leg. If you want to see a visual, like I said, go to my Instagram at Lauren Bostick and definitely go grab one for Black Friday, Cyber Monday on shopskinnyconfidential.com. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. There was some lying going on because it was convenient. And there is a lot of information out. Uh, the mouth breathing goes back to the 1800s. Uh, James Nestor found an old English journal, medical journal, it was about dentistry. And it was a dentist saying that mouth breathing was very bad for you and that it was one of the main reasons we get cavities. That was back in the late 1800s. I never got that in dental school. So the, there, there was a lot of information that we had and somehow we got redirected. And I think that was because it became a profession for profit. Someone that I love to stalk on Instagram is Ask the Dentist. The tips are tipping on this Instagram. There are so many takeaways and tips that I have learned from this account. I can't even tell you. So I went on and personally DM'd him and was like, please come on the him and her show. And it took like a year and a half to get him on. So today I could not be more excited to announce that he is here. And let me tell you, this episode will blow your fucking mind. This is one that you're going to want to send to every single person that you know. In this episode, we learn about all the things. Tongue scraping, mouth taping, why mouthwash is bad for you, where bad breath comes from, how to fix it, everything you need to know about functional dentistry and the dental brands and products that you need to avoid. If you're into your oral health, this episode's for you. I not only learned things for myself and for Michael, but for my kids, which was like the best part of this episode. With that, Dr. Mark of Ask the Dentist, welcome to the Him and Her Show. This is the Skinny Confidential, Him and Her. I am going to say that I'm so excited to be sitting with one of the first dentists who have talked about mouth taping. You talked about mouth taping 10 years ago in your book. What even made you like discover that? I came across it. I, I, it was in a study or I was reading about it. And I right away thought this would be great for me as a practitioner to use as a differential diagnostic tool. And because everyone I was talking to and asking, do you, do you mouth breathe or do you, you know, nose breathe? And of course they were all lying to me, especially guys, right? They're like, oh no, I'm fine. I don't snore and I breathe through my nose. Is that the right thing to do? Yes, I breathe through my nose. And this is a way to find out in one night whether that person is actually telling the truth. So it allowed me to figure out, for example, if they had a high cavity rate, that comes from mouth breathing. If you have a dry mouth at night and you're sitting like this at night, open all night, you're just going to you have a higher incidence of decay and also gum disease and, and pretty much anything, bad breath for that matter. So this was a wonderful, of course, I was using the wrong tape and we used, back then we were using tape that was 
too sticky and uncomfortable. A lot of women didn't like it because it would, you know, we didn't know how to peel it off in the morning properly. But now it's a thing and it's wonderful. ENTs in my area in the Silicon Valley gave me a hard time. They said it was dangerous. A lot of them said it doesn't make a difference whether you breathe through your mouth or nose. So, but now it, it is finally seeing its moment. It's wonderful. If, if it's on TikTok, we, we know it's it's a good thing, it's right? It's still, even <laughs> though more and more people are talking about people like yourself and Human and Lauren and, you know, me, dare I say, you know, you still, when we mention it to people, we still get like that, are you guys nuts look, yep. right? And yep. people, like, again, people think it's dangerous. Why right. would you do this? From your perspective, if somebody's still hesitant, what are like the three main things it's accomplishing? Right. Well, for those who think it's weird, and most people still do, and they think it's dangerous, there are a lot of professionals that think it's dangerous. Just work into it slowly. Tape during the day. I recommend taping for children over age two or three to see if they can nose breathe. So just try it slowly during the day while they're watching TV. See how long, make it a game, see how long you know you can breathe through your nose. The three, I mean, there are many things. Well, as I mentioned, it's great if you're a practitioner, I'm able to tell or anyone's able to tell. If you're at home, you don't need me. You can just tape. And if you can't keep the tape on, then you know you have to see an ear, nose, and throat and get that cleared up because if you're not nose breathing, you're probably over-breathing CO2. So the three main things would be, in dentistry would be, if you don't keep your mouth shut, you know, unless you're speaking a lot or eating, for example, then your decay rate will be higher. Any kind of oral disease, whether it's bad breath, gum disease, you'll, you'll have a higher incidence of that. That's a big enough reason for me, but there are other reasons too. You're going to be more anxious. Your CO2, O2 mix in your blood, your pH will change in your blood. The uptake of oxygen and the release of oxygen won't be optimal. So if you're exercising a lot, it ties into nitric oxide as well. That has a lot to do with what goes on in the mouth as well. These are all things that will affect your everyday part of life. I mean, in terms of how you view things, it could even relate to psychiatric disorders. It also humidifies the air as it goes through the nose. It brings your nose back online, which is important. There's a histaminic response. If you have a lot of allergies or sensitivities to dry air, you're not going to do well unless you're breathing through your nose. You've got to keep this online. And the only way to do that is by pulling air in through your nose, especially at night, six, seven hours of sleep. Can I Perfect time. ask you maybe a strange follow-up question? Oh, yeah. So I believe, and Lauren can tell me if I'm wrong, that I am a nose breather primarily when I sleep. I just, I, I, right? Am, am I? Yes. You let's, are, let's get verification of that. You <laughs> are a nose breather, but there has been times when you're really, really tired where it hangs open. And so I just feel like you should just tape to tape to train. Sure. But what I, and that'll so, happen time yeah. to time my, with a good nose breather. My question, I guess, then is what makes people become mouth breathers? Is this something you are born with? Is this something that happens from improper tongue posture? Is this something that happens because of behavior? Like what mm -hmm. is, is a muscle? Like what is the thing that makes, because obviously we're designed to breathe through the nose. Right. right. It's a great question. And we are designed to breathe through the nose. We breathe optimally if we're breathing through the nose. Mouth breathing is for emergencies and yelling and, and yelling out and warning someone. I mean, that's in, and speaking. It's a great question because we're really born that way. And we're seeing more and more of that in today's society, unfortunately. And there's a whole host of reasons for that. But but typically, a mouth breather is born that way and develops into a mouth breather. They mouth breathe early on. Now, you can fall on your nose. You can obstruct your nose. There's trauma. Uh, allergies, for example. Allergies to things that we weren't really meant to be exposed to. It can be the 
quality of air in the room. I mean, we're in a closed room here in a skyscraper and it's all forced air. The CO2 levels here in parts per million are probably 800 to 1,000. When I flew over here, the, the CO2 parts per million was 2,500. That's going to increase your respiratory rate. You may not feel like you're getting enough air. So there are many reasons why you could become a mouth breather. But typically, it's, it, we're born that way. It's really interesting because when I read the book, Sh- Shut Your Mouth, Save Your Life, that was written, I think, like, I want to say like in the 1940s or something. Yes, great book. I became obsessed with it. And I started doing it every single night for the last eight months. I am so addicted to this, not only because I feel so much better in the morning mm-hmm. and have so much more energy, but I'm addicted to it because of the beauty benefits. I have seen, and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, my jawline feels more where it should be and more strong and strengthened and supported from the mouth tape. Like the mouth tape has taught me to breathe through my nose, which has supported the jaw, which has almost gotten rid of any sort of like double chin. Mm-hmm. Am I, it's like a beauty tip. Oh, it, it, it is a hundred percent. You're not, I mean, that's not a stretch at all by any means of the imagination. Also when you mouth tape and my wife taught me this, pucker up a little bit. You don't want to close your lips over because collagen has a memory, especially as you get older. If you want puffy lips, you know, Get in that position and tape up in that position. Such Again, a good you're, tip. Yeah, I mean, you're taped for six, seven, well, hopefully seven or eight hours a night. But absolutely, when you breathe that way, the tone of, of your airway changes, the position of the tongue changes, the position of the hyoid bone changes. That's a floating bone here in the neck. I mean, all of that is can be attributed. Too. It sounds like you've had this conversation before. I just can't <laughs> believe well, why it. Or argument. Why are you looking at me like I don't? I, can't, I can <laughs> notice it in pictures and on video. And like, I know this sounds so crazy. It right. really, from an aesthetic standpoint, yes. if you really do it religiously, and I do it every night. The other thing I noticed that's so interesting, what you said about a pursing your lips. I also, you're going to think I'm crazy, pull up from the bottom and mm-hmm. pull the tape up mm-hmm. as opposed to taking the tape and pulling yes. it down because I want to pull my face up. Yep. Well, this, this, That's I, mean, crazy. I don't know no, why it's not you're crazy. trying to win point. I've, I've never contradicted this. I've always agreed. And it made sense to me, to, to me, the uh, logically thing, or just from an aesthetic, I would assume if your mouth is just hanging open all the time, it's not probably not great for your jaw structure and your muscles. That right. just, that just for me makes sense. You see people walking around like, it would look strange if you saw them just walking with their mouth hanging open, right. right? But then if you're doing that for eight hours a night. Assuming you can mouth tape. Sure. Because there might be obstruction. So, right. But but back to Lauren's point, there, there's another reason. You're sleeping better, which means your skin turgor will be better. I mean, you're also dehydrated when you wake up in the morning. Think about how much air, how much water we expel in an hour's uh, of breathing. I think it's a liter or two uh, of, of, of water that we expel if we mouth breathe, it's much less if we breathe through our nose. So there are many other reasons. And probably those are the best reasons. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel better about yourself. Skin will tighten up. Position of the jaw, as you mentioned, Michael. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons. Mouth taping is a great thing if you can do it. So you mentioned, we were talking off air right before we started, and you, and you mentioned that obviously Peter Tia came on here and he has one of the you know, what we, we all believe is one of the better books on longevity, mm-hmm. one of the best books on longevity that's out, but that he only mentioned oral health mm-hmm. 
once in the book. Right. Maybe not intentionally, but that it was just, you know, this huge book on longevity and mm-hmm. oral health was a very mm-hmm. small part of it. Right. Not a knock on him, but why do you it's think book. oral health gets so little attention in this in the spectrum of health? And honestly, I was thinking too, we've done six hundred or so of these a little more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we've done a show on this topic. So Well, I'm glad that uh, Lauren had a, a great interest in oral health. Uh it's a great question. And I, I think I have the answer for it. Uh, it goes back historically back to when dentistry and medicine kind of branched apart from each other. We got kicked out of the club. We were in the, all the medical organizations and, and I won't go into all the details, but that was 1839. So we've been practicing in kind of parallel universes with very little interconnectiveness or, or connective tissue, you know, they're doing their thing. We're doing our thing. And I think now we've come to realize as, as Dennis, that there's a lot going on that kind of parlays over to their side of things. And hopefully some of them are realizing that, for example, there's a causal connection between high blood pressure and the use of mouthwash that needs to be fleshed out. And those two things are always running, you know, parallel to each other, but no one's talking. And if you're, if let's face it, if your physician doesn't speak to your neurologist, and you're seeing a neurologist, that's a bad thing, but why aren't they speaking with your dentist? So I think historically there's a, there's a basis for that. I also think it's because we have two different insurance plans. Dental insurance is not really an insurance plan. It's more of a benefit because it maxes out. If you have it, it maxes out at a thousand or $2,000 where, you know, if you get in a car crash, that's it. You know, your teeth have been knocked out. It's going to cost 40 to $60,000, but the medical side of things, you know, of, of the insurance plan, it takes care of you. So two different insurance plans. And then there's some political stuff. I think we're not in a hospital organization necessarily, although we're, we're beginning to see that there's some schools that are merging medical and dental records, for example, isn't that brilliant? I mean, why wouldn't you, if you're a physician treating for high blood pressure or, or heart disease, you're looking at CRP, uh, uh, C reactive protein, that's a measure of inflammation, but what you may not know is that one of the greatest contributors to CRP is gum disease, which 70% of us have after age 60 or 40%, actually almost 50% of us have over age 30. This is a very chronic prevalent disease that's contributing to all the markers that the physicians are looking for. So why wouldn't you want to get that information? As you're talking, I'm probably, I'm going to just question because we're covering a lot here. What is the main contributor to gum disease and why is it so prevalent? Boy, that's a that's a one hour <laughs> reply. It's a complicated disease. It's um, it's related to um, uh, food, diet, you know, our environment. Obviously, starchy food, processed foods, mouth breathing, which changes the pH of the saliva. The lack of minerals in our diet. We need minerals in saliva for it to work properly. It's uh, also mouth wash and toothpaste. I mean, we're using the wrong products. We're using products that are actually making the oral microbiome, which is the, like the gut microbiome, it's the bacteria in the mouth that actually help protect us. We're taking that down every time we pick up a toothbrush with the wrong toothpaste or we're swishing with, with a mouthwash. So you you said something when I was walking in, I was mm -hmm. eating a piece of broccoli and I Mm. go, I said, right when I met you, I said, I'm sorry, I'm eating a piece of broccoli. Don't look in between my teeth. And you said, no, actually broccoli Mm -hmm. brushes your teeth Mm -hmm. for you. And so do carrots. Can you speak on that and how that was the toothbrush back in the day? 
you know, it's like a chewing stick. That was kind of what we had before, before we had, you know, modern toothbrushes and all these gadgets and floss, but also, I mean, it's a crunchy food. It's a high fiber food. It hasn't been processed, but also the bacteria in your mouth really don't respond to it. They, they don't consume it. If you were eating goldfish crackers, for example, which is a highly cariogenic food, a cavity causing food, you would be in this state of demineralization. Your, your pH in the mouth would drop to low levels below this critical pH. And that's when you start leaching or losing calcium in your teeth. And that's how cavities are formed. Broccoli doesn't do that. The bacteria ignore it. They, there's nothing there for them. But when they see a goldfish cracker or other junk foods, I, I don't want to pick on goldfish, saltine crackers, any cracker for that matter, breads, candy, of course, that starts allowing the bacteria to consume a lot of the foods because it's processed. And then they excrete their byproduct to their metabolism, which is, it's an excrement uh, of pee and poop and all that, right? That's what we tell the kids. And that is a very low pH product. So your mouth is very acidic. You want your mouth, and that's why we have saliva. Uh, saliva buffers the mouth. We want to have a resting pH of about 6.5 to 7.2. Literally, there's a, a critical pH, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago. That critical pH is referred to as the critical pH because that's when things start changing in the mouth and everything starts going to pot. I mean, you start getting cavities. That is, so resting state of saliva, maybe 6.4 at its lowest level. Then the critical pH starts at 6.2, 6.3. And if it was for, that's for dentin, that's for the root structure of the tooth. It's a little bit lower for enamel. Enamel's a harder surface. That's 5.5. That's not that much far. That's not too far away from that resting state of pH. So it doesn't take much to get to that pH level. Now, if you're sip, if you're eating carrots all day, you're fine. You're always going to be in that neutral pH. But if you're drinking kombucha, for example, or even some mineral waters, those are a pH of 5.5 or lower. Alcohol, green tea, my favorite. What else? Coffee. Those are all low pH products. And if so, if you have those. Drink them quickly. Don't sit there and sip them all day long at work because you're still, you're bringing down that pH and that just allows the teeth more time to demineralize. I'm a sipper. Oh, most of us I'm are. a sipper. If I have we a cup of coffee, work. Michael will be like, how yeah. do you have this all day long? Like mm -hmm. I will sip the coffee mm -hmm. all day long. I'm right. such a sipper. That is really good information. Do you think that, that there is something related to people eating less meat now and the decline of the jawline. Are those two correlated? Because obviously our ancestors grew up eating tons mm -hmm. of meat and they had these strong jawlines. Is there a correlation there? Great question. And absolutely, 100%. In fact, you've got young kids and, and you asked the question about, are we, you know, how does mouth breathing occur? You know, it, it occurs in the early years while our jaws are developing. Our ancestors would, they, they didn't have blenders. I mean, they didn't puree their food. I have two grandchildren and I've checked all their, the baby foods. And of course they're all very healthy and organic, but they're pureed. I mean, they, you, you, you got to get them chewing pretty soon. Yep. That's and so the, important. And, and the smoothies, I know I people love a healthy smoothie, but yeah, you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta chew. Yep. Yeah. Chewing is very important. There's one thing you mentioned in there and I don't want to skip over because I know we're going to cover a lot here. And this, I've seen this on TikTok and I've seen people get very upset mm -hmm. around the topic of mouthwash potentially being harmful to you. Right. They get frustrated because I think a lot of people are like, they throw their arms up and they say, mm -hmm. well, what the hell am I supposed to use? Right. Well, they're um, also using it as like a quick fix. No, right. but then another, you know, it's like another thing they can't use that, you know, and, and I, I think people are getting just like overwhelmed by all of the poor yep. product yep. choices that are in the market. Right. 
from your perspective, why is mouthwash so potentially harmful? Well, it's not potentially harmful. It is harmful. I mean, it is causal for high blood pressure. We have the studies. We've had them for 15 years. And, you know, I just saw an ad for Listerine this morning on the TV and I was shocked. Listerine used to say that you could use mouthwash. This is why people use mouthwash. They think, as you were implying, that it's a quick fix and that it can reverse a lot of uh, bad things like halitosis. That's where it's mostly goes to with marketing, but it also helps prevent gum disease. And the Listerine commercial used to say you can use Listerine mouthwash instead of flossing. They were spanked for that. That's false advertising. And now they kind of skirt the issue. And how did that ad go this morning? It was, oh, if if you're a flosser and you don't feel like you're getting to all the, the niches in your mouth, this will take care of it. And, and it won't. But in fact, it's elevating your blood pressure by killing off, uh, if you use it twice a day, according to the studies, if you use mouthwash twice a day, it kills the bacteria on the back of your tongue that are there to help produce nitric oxide, which is this wonderful gas, very fleeting, short-lived, but that actually lowers our blood pressure. In fact, they're so that's, now, so it's not wow. a specific ingredient. It's that it, well, maybe it isn't, well, it, it is. kills it's, the yeah. bacteria that is on your tongue. Yeah. If it's a disinfecting mouthwash, which is what most mouthwashes do, even if it has just essential oils in it, and so the it's taking down those that, bacteria. Okay. And you need those bacteria. Those bacteria are doing a lot of work for you. In fact, now there's a study. It just came out. Actually, it was a guy from Texas, a researcher from Texas and his group where tongue scraping actually can lower your blood pressure. Ah. Remember, two-thirds ah. of Americans are using mouthwash. About two-thirds have high blood pressure. I'm not saying there's a direct connection there, but we do know that high blood pressure is not just connected to the use of mouthwash. Mouthwash, the use of mouthwash is causal. In other words, it causes, it can cause elevated blood pressure. Now, back to physicians and dentistry being, you know, not talking to each other. This is something that physicians should know, especially if they're medicating for blood pressure. High blood Dr. Pressure. Mark, I don't mean to brag, mm. but for Christmas, I get stocking stuffers, tongue scrapers. Perfect. Like I think every single person, the first thing when you open your eyes, they should scrape their tongue. Mm -hmm. This is my weird theory. Ayurvedic. Yeah. I think that when you have all that bacteria on your tongue and you take a sip of water in the morning, you're mm -hmm. swallowing your bacteria. Mm -hmm. So when you wake up, immediately scrape it off. Carson, if you don't have a tongue scraper after all these episodes, I'm going to die. I'm going to give one in the box. I'm, yeah, I'm going right to give him one of your tongue scrapers. Yeah. You, the tongue scraper, I think, is like the whole tone of the day. Totally. Is it, is it true that you swallow the bacteria? If you're you just, do. So whatever is in the mouth, the oral microbiome in the mouth is connected to the gut microbiome. We're swallowing trillions of bacteria a day. And that, one and a half liters of saliva, and you better make damn sure that it's good bacteria, right? I mean, the ones that you want to swallow, the commensal ones. Yeah. So the, that placky layer, they're, they're plaque biofilms, we call it now. There are biofilms all over the mouth, in the mouth, and biofilms can become very dysbiotic and, and problematic. And the tongue is one of those areas, it, think of it as a field of mushrooms, you know, those big mushroom caps. Oh. And underneath that, there's a lot of space there. There's a lot of stuff getting caught in there. You've got, and if you're eating crackers and breads and snack foods and all that, the bacteria down there are having a heyday and they are literally a different set of bacteria. In other words, the, the ones that produce ammonia gas, for example, not the nitric oxide become prevalent. And then you get this weird fruity dead fruit smell with some sulfide bonds. I mean, that those are the bacteria that are doing that. I also think that when someone's breathing on you and it smells, I mm -hmm. think I, this is my own Lauren theory. 
that 50% of it is coming from the tongue, not even the teeth. Oh, it's probably more than that. Yeah. It's probably 70%. There, there is a form of halitosis or bad breath that comes from the gut, you know, from indigestion, IBS, other, you know, GI disorders, but it's mostly from the tongue. I have to applaud my husband. He scrapes his tongue every single morning. I have a friend who wasn't scraping it. My audience sent me my friend's Instagram and said, tell your, friend, out. tell your friend to scrape his tongue right now. I got him on a tongue scraper. Everyone's got to get one of your tongue scrapers. I want my kids to start doing it. My daughter watches me. It's a little tricky to get mm -hmm. them to do it, mm -hmm. but I'm definitely going to get her on it. I think what I've realized about mouthwash is that people have a nostalgic correlation or relationship with mouthwash. Mm -hmm. Like I remember my dad's mouthwash when I was little. It was mm -hmm. the brown Listerine. Right. He used a cat full. Daddy, you better be throwing that out if you have that. The brown Listerine and it, it, the smell of it evokes yes. like an emotion that's almost like an aftershave clean. Yes. We associate like a Windex. Right. So what are things that we can do to break that and, and move towards other things that are healthier? Like, is but there... It, it sounds like, though, with mouthwash, it's, we, were just, we just did an episode and we were talking about people jump right to effect. They don't go to cause. Mm -hmm. And so it's like they're doing this as a quick fix to either like bad yeah. breath or right. flossing. So like I, I think another way to look at it is like, what could people do so that they maybe don't need to use mouthwash? Yes. Right, right. First of all, I would just recommend to your question... Tell them that their breath will get worse if you use mouthwash. I mean, much worse, and then they'll have to be using it more. Plus, their blood pressure will go up. To me, that would be enough. And then you're right. I mean, we're not addressing the root cause. So I think oil pulling would be fine. I'm not against oil pulling. Again, another Ayurvedic. I call that, uh, what do I call that? Observational, historical, clinical data. I mean, it's a great way. The whole Ayurvedic thing is amazing. You just had Organic Olivia on. She's amazing. Um, I mean, and she says it best. Essentially, you're, they didn't have studies back then. They didn't have microscopes. But over many, many centuries of observational data that you know cause and effect, if you do this, then this works, or, or the opposite, and then that gets passed on to the practitioners. So the Ayurvedics had it right on many things. And they talked a lot about nose breathing. And of course, all the gurus and the proper breathing and all of that was correct. Uh, so tongue scraping, absolutely. Uh, that is something that should be done. And oil pulling, they didn't have mouthwash at the time. That's a mild surfactant, and it's great at thinning the biofilm and cleaning things up a little bit. You can overdo it. Coconut oil is probably best. I think olive oil is fine. I don't mind the taste of olive oil. How long? Two to three minutes in the morning, maybe when your mouth is dry. When your mouth is very dry, it'd be a good way to rejuvenate the oral microbiome, get things going and you know, humidify and, and, and get, get moisturized. I like to scrape my tongue. I have my coconut oil underneath the sink, but you can't expose your coconut oil to air, right? You right. gotta yes. gotta shut it. Yep. And this is maybe TMI, but I use coconut oil for lube mm -hmm. because I don't get UTIs anymore. Right. So when you say the about the my orifice in my mouth yes. to get the bacteria out, that to me makes mm -hmm. way more sense as a mouthwash than a Listerine. Totally. And it's it's a biome, vaginal biome. It makes sense, yeah, right? It absolutely. kills the bacteria. You want to feed and nourish. You don't want to kill and disinfect because you don't know what you're going to end up with. It doesn't kill. I'm wrong. It, yeah. it supports. What does it support? It supports the good and bacteria? nourishes and it, Got it. It, it thins, it moisturizes. I mean, it's good for the mouth. Absolutely. I think you can overdo it. You don't want to remove your biofilm. Biofilm is important. I think dentistry has kind of brainwashed everyone saying you got to get rid of it all. There's no way you're going to get rid of the biofilm. 
And when you leave the dentist and you've had that Profi cup with the abrasive, the powder that we use, the pumice paste with fluoride in it, I mean, your, your biofilm is pretty much off the tooth. It's been removed. It comes back in 20, 30 minutes. It's designed to come back and regrow. That's how the body protects inanimate surfaces in the body. Best multivitamin, what am I going to say? You already know. Ritual. Ritual essential for women 18 plus. I have been taking Ritual for like three years. I took it through both my pregnancies. Whenever someone asks me on DMs, like what prenatal did you take? It's Ritual. I value my time. We know this. And like, I don't want to have to go digging everywhere to find out what's in my multivitamin. And with Ritual, they have everything on their site traceable. So you know that it's USP verified. You know it's soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, formulated with non-GMOs. And the best part is it's not nasty when you swallow it. It has like a minty essence in every single bottle. It's fresh. And it just makes taking your multivitamin every day enjoyable. This is a brand that I just think does it right. There's an integrity behind it. And it's aesthetically pleasing, which I love. And most importantly, it's clinically backed high-quality, traceable, key ingredients in a clean, bioavailable form. You can tell the founder just cares about what she's putting out there. If you're going to go on their site, they also have an incredible plant-based protein powder that I make the best protein pancakes with. You could also add it to oatmeal. It's delicious. Go on their site, check it out, start a daily ritual that you can feel good about and help save the fish while you're at it. Ritual is offering the Skinny Confidential him and her listeners 30% off your first month. Visit ritual.com slash skinny to start ritual or add essential for women prenatal to your subscription today. So I had my hairstylist over the house today and he was like giving me a little blowout. I had an event to do and we were talking and he said, Lauren, your hair is like a literally a different head of hair. He couldn't believe it. He said two years ago, your hair was like breaking. The blonde was breaking I don't wash my hair too much. I obviously went brunette. And then I invested in an incredible hair serum to multitask. Okay. So what I mean by that is I like to do like a tight, sleek bun. I'm already going to do it almost every single day. And when I do it, I just add Vegamore's hair serum. This is so easy. It's such a great hack if you just want to upgrade your bun. Their hair serum is all about visibly thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair without harsh ingredients. It comes in like this cute little pink bottle. Everything's 100% cruelty-free and never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. So what I do is I put it in my hair. I do scalp massage to really get the blood flow going. I like stretch the fascia in my scalp and pull it up and I'll brush through my hair and then I'll put it in a sleek bun and I am good to go to the gym. Sometimes I'll even put it on top of the bun. For a limited time, go to vegamore.com skinny and use code skinny at checkout to get in on Vegamore's biggest sale of the year during their Black Friday and Cyber Monday. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com skinny, code skinny to get the best deals on Vegamore's line of products. Vegamore.com skinny, code skinny. Let's talk about Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers is the number one doctor-recommended weight management program and the trusted authority in evidence-based weight health. Beyond the science, joining Weight Watchers means you become part of a powerful, passionate community. They're all about community there. We got to learn all about that when we had the CEO on our podcast. The company's purpose is to always inspire healthy habits and lasting weight loss. 
So how they do this is they focus on behavior change, nutrition science, and real connections while never giving up on the food that we all love. Personally, I really love how they've evolved their approach to weight loss over the years, and they're really like with the times, which I appreciate. Weight Watchers has helped millions of members on their journeys over the years, and recently they've launched Weight Watchers Clinic, and this provides support to even more people across the weight health spectrum. Most importantly, I think that Weight Watchers knows that weight management is not a one-size-fits-all thing. There are behavioral and biological factors to consider. So they really have a multifaceted approach when it comes to losing weight. Head to www.com slash TSC to see if you qualify. If you do, use our code TSC25 to get your first month free. Plus, you get $25 off your second month. That's www.com slash TSC. So what are people doing that go to a common dentist wrong and what could they ask mm. for to be their own advocate? Wow, that is a loaded question. Well, I would first encourage them to learn about functional dentistry and 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 we have a list of what to ask. Certainly if you see a, a functional provider, you won't have all those issues. I would first of all, I would stay away from fluoride. I would ask, and and this probably would require a call ahead because if you're in the chair, they're gonna shame you if they're into fluoride. It's a big moneymaker for dentistry. That fluoride varnish or fluoride treatment for your kids up until age 14, insurance pays for that. Uh, that's a that's a hundred, hundred and fifty, sometimes two hundred thousand dollars. And do you get flack for saying this from the, I do. From oh, the totally. community? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we can talk about that later. But there is a lawsuit against the EPA on fluoride in our water. I'm hoping that comes to an end soon. But you really have to be prepared, like anything. Same thing with seeing your medical provider. You you can't rely on your doctor for the truth. You really have to be well informed. So I would ask, uh, how often do I need to be seen? How often are you going to take x-rays? If it's every time you come in, that's just a knee-jerk response on their part. That's ridiculous. It depends on the patient. It depends on, there's some patients that will never need an x-ray. That's an extreme, but I have patients like that. And then there are patients where you're like, oh, God, could you come in in six weeks? I got to do all this again. It should really be a, a very custom-tailored kind of treatment. And if they're treating you just like an insurance number, you know, stay away. I mean, assembly line dentistry. What is a biological dentist? And I've noticed some people who have come on, they've talked about their cancer journey and healing mm -hmm. holistically. Why have they used that? Mm -hmm. The term biological. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. I, cause I kind of yeah. still, I just booked an appointment for our whole family with mm -hmm. a biological dentist, but I want to know more about it before I take the leap. Right. No, good question. So th there's biological, there's integrative, there's holistic, then there's functional. Uh, I think functional covers all all bases, um, but biological means that the dentist is concerned about the things that they're about to put in your mouth, in your tooth, you know, like mercury or com even composites, the plastic fillings, the glues that we use. Uh, that means that he or she is concerned about the biology of it. Is it biomimetic? Is it safe to put these ingredients in there. And unfortunately, that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, the best is not to be in that case to begin with where you have that you you have a need to be restored. So biological is, is I mean, in dentistry, in dental school, this is 37 years ago for me, they used that term. And I remember the instructor and he was our materials guy. Dental materials was the course. And it was always about biomimetic and biologically safe and compatible with human physiology and biology and 
course, that was all bullshit. It wasn't. I mean, we were we were taught how to put mercury fillings into our patients' mouths, and that's not biological dentistry. So biological can mean many things, but it means that when they remove the metal filling, for example, that they do it correctly, that they're not exposing you to more mercury vapor when they remove it. So it's a, it's a good place to start, but typically it's a label, and I would be very careful, and again, you have to inform yourself. I'm going to look go at in. your list. He has a list okay. on his site that you guys can go, a directory, and it, it right? says a directory yeah. of where you can go to find a functional dentist. A functional dentist. Got it. Which should be aware of all that. They should be integrative. They should be biological. They should be able to use the correct method of removing these neurotoxins. They shouldn't be pushing fluoride on you. In fact, there should be no fluoride in the office. There should be no mercury metal fillings in the office because that in itself is problematic. Every time you open one of those little compules, I mean, there's a little mercury vapor and it's in the office. I also think like I was talking to a girlfriend and she's like, oh, I'm taking my daughter to go to the dentist and we're trying to decide if we should give her sealants or Mm -hmm, not. mm -hmm. And I remember my parents taking me to get sealants. It was like a thing back when I was little where you, you would put this clear thing around your teeth to protect it from cavities. And as I've gotten older and exposed to all these different incredible people like yourself, I've really sat with that and thought, oh my God, there's plastic mm-hmm. that was heated around my teeth, right. seeping into my tongue mm-hmm. and my bloodstream mm-hmm. m- multiple times. That is can't be good for you. Right. Even worse, the monomers that were used to prep the tooth before. Right. So, I mean, this is a problem in dentistry. And, and I mean, every procedure we do is a surgical procedure in many ways. And now we're putting in implants and titanium was not as clean as we thought it was. Titanium implants. Now we're looking at ceramic implants made out of zirconia. And there's always, there's always a problem. I mean, BPA free water bottles, right? They're not safe. It's always a concern. So you really have to be uh, well-informed. And that's why I've been doing this online for 10 years, just throwing out a lot of data, but it really it pisses off a lot of people because they felt they were lied to, and they were in some cases, in most cases. Were they and, lied to, or was it for a lack of information in the field itself? That's a good question. I would say uh, there was some lying going on because it was convenient. And again, it's a business. Uh, I mean, fluoride is is a is a big business, and we make a lot of money from it. And there is a lot of information out. Uh, the mouth breathing goes back to the. 1800s. James Nestor found when I uh, was talking to him uh, about his book, Breath, he sent me a document because we were talking about mouth taping. He sent me a a few months later, he sent me something that he had found in an old English journal, medical journal. It was about dentistry. And it was a dentist saying that mouth taping is, is not mouth taping. They didn't tape back then. That mouth breathing was very bad for you. And that it was one of the main reasons we get cavities. That was back in the late 1800s. I never got that in dental school. So the, there, there was a lot of information that we had and somehow we got redirected. And I think that was because it became a, a profession for profit. Is sealants ever necessary? The, well, they are necessary, unfortunately. And it's better than doing a big filling. The question is, is you're doing sealants as a preventative, as a prophylactic procedure. So the question is, is does that patient really need it? It'd be a pity if they do need sealants. But the dentist isn't so sure, and they don't want to hear later that their dentist, their, their patient, young patient, the mom's going to come in and say, or dad will come in and say, oh my God, my kid has cavities. Why didn't you seal them? 
So they're going to jump on that bandwagon a little earlier. It's very difficult. It's a difficult call to make. And that is the number one issue right now that my business partner and I that are launching this toothpaste are, are confronted with. Are all these parents talking about their kids? I mean, they're trying to follow the right diet and floss and brush and, and they're still getting cavities. And that's, that's the problem. We've been using these oral care products for over a century and we're still making and using the same products that still have the same concept of disinfecting the mouth and killing germs and freshening your breath and, and all of that. And we're still getting cavities. In fact, cavities are on the rise. Fluoride didn't seem to help in the water and topically. Fluoride topically can work, but we can talk a little bit about that. But in the water, it doesn't work. That's a decision we made back in the 40s. Kind of like pseudo Benadryl. What's the other one? Benadryl and Sudafed. That the decision to use that, that it worked, was made in 1938. And now we're just coming to the realization that it's really a placebo effect for a decongestant. So fluoride's in the same category. It's old information. We have new data, like we do with Sudafed and Benadryl, and that is that it doesn't work. And and we also have new information saying that it's toxic. So so yeah, there's been a lot of lying going on in the profession. Lying is mis misinforming a lot Let's of call people that. i really have to quickly know what you're um if, what you should do for an allergy if you can't use benadryl what you would do oh gosh well i'm not a physician but i wouldn't use benadryl because it doesn't work okay i would find out what kind of allergy it is find out what the root cause is see a functional provider md okay uh, get some blood tests allergy testing before you uh, get benadryl is, is it for a congested nose i'm just wondering because like sometimes my baby will have a rash mm -hmm. and i'll bring mm -hmm. benadryl just in case i've never given it to him but i'm just wondering like what I could bring on a trip that, right. that would substitute Benadryl. It, it would have to be something else. Uh, Allegra, maybe. Uh, again, I'm not the expert, okay. expert on that. But but there are antihistamine drugs that work. Okay. But we know that Sudafed and Benadryl don't. Got it. And but they've they they were the the first. And and it took us that long to figure that out. A <laughs> lot of people are scared to go to the dentist, or they mm -hmm. find the experience unpleasant. I mean, someone's in your mouth. I, I get mm -hmm. it. From your perspective. How often should people be going to get their teeth cleaned and inspected, obviously, if they find the right uh, practitioner? Right. It's a good question. The, the old standby was twice a year. And I think that was, I forget where that came from, but it didn't come from dentistry. It came from a toothpaste company or someone made the recommendation and we all kind of ran with it. Very unscientific. Of course, people, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you have to come in every six to eight weeks. I go once a quarter. Is that too much? No. I mean, why do you go back once a quarter? Uh, do they like, recommend it or? Um, to me, like I, I understand, I, I, someone told me that twice a year to me, like mm -hmm. instinctually that just felt a little like why only twice a year, right? right. Like, but I think it feels good when they clean your teeth, you feel clean, but you're saying that like. You have to be careful how much you're stripping the teeth. Well, I mean, you can overclean the teeth with the ultrasonics, carbon steel instrumentation. You can over-instrument teeth. You can gouge them. I'm glad you think it feels good because most people don't. I don't think it feels good. Oh, okay, good. But, but. <laughs> no, I mean afterwards. You afterwards, think it feels, yeah. yeah, your breath. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some patients that love cleanings, but I would do it based on need. And again, you don't, I mean, if you're going in to have your teeth whitened, not with a whitening gel, but by using that Profi cup with the pumice, try not we to use fluoride. That, that, yeah. that will lighten your teeth. That will get rid of stains. So I would just go in for that. And most dentists will look at you and go, well, you need the cleaning. No, you don't. You can just get the Profi cup and just pay a la carte for that. I mean, 
hygienists can stay a little late. It takes what, five, 10 minutes. If the teeth feel like they need a cleaning, that's when you shouldn't just like, you know, mine's just scheduled quarterly right. so that I remember to go. If you build a lot of tartar, perhaps, but that could be because you're mouth breathing at night, that builds up tartar. If you have tartar on your teeth, you should get rid of that. But then you have to ask your question, the question, why are you getting tartar on your teeth every three months? I mean, that, that would be important. Find out. So it could be mouth breathing. I could have be no too rhyme. much calcium in your diet. Yeah, I have no rhyme. I literally just go because right. I just said, hey, let's schedule this yeah. once a quarter. He just likes it. being clean. Yeah. Well, I would customize that based on need. Okay. It would save you time and money. And and you can over-instrument the teeth, certainly, especially with a good hygienist. I mean, they're they're good at what they do. We talked about high blood pressure, mm-hmm. poor oral hygiene or care. What other potential diseases do you see coming from you know poor care? Yeah. Oral, oral disease. disease yeah well alzheimer's is the big one i mean uh-huh. and heart disease certainly but we now have a let, let me put it this way in studies that i'm reading now they are discussing a causal relationship and examining a causal relationship in other words a bug in the mouth that literally can be one of the factors in causing alzheimer's inflammation of the brain shrinkage of the brain amyloid plaque you know formation i mean that's not the cause of alzheimer's but it is seen with alzheimer's Early in the early days, we thought it was the cause, but we now know that it, when we see that amyloid plaque being laid down, you're on your way to getting Alzheimer's. So, so this P. gingivalis bug, which we all have in our mouth sitting in this room, the question is, is how out of control is it? And how is the oral microbiome modulating it and controlling it? And literally within six weeks, according to some studies, within six weeks, you can get a P. gingivalis bug into the brain via the bloodstream, past the blood-brain barrier. Again, it's a constant hit. It's a tighter level. It's a it's a, a certain amount where the brain sees a certain amount. And it's like okay, enough of this. I am under attack. I need to fix this. And when the brain responds to the P. gingivalis bug, it leads to in the long term, it can lead to Alzheimer's. It's typically multifactorial. There are other reasons, perhaps, but but that's what these studies are discussing. So I think we're pretty close to having a causal uh, connection between uh, what happens in the mouth happens in the brain. You are a disruptor in your space. I have so much respect for you speaking out about all these things that a lot of dentists are probably afraid. Yep. Why did you decide to do this? What was the epiphany that made you Ooh. say, fuck this, I'm over this, I'm going to just call it how it is? It, it was a slow process. There was no tipping point, obviously. There were many, many times where I just was uh, confronted with, this just doesn't make sense from based on my training. And Plus, I'm always very curious. I want to when something's broken, I take it apart and I try and fix it. I want to know what happened, even even if I don't fix it. I want to know what happened. So I think it's partly my personality, part of my training. Before dental school, I was a biology uh, biochemistry major. Before that, I was reading books on longevity as a 17 year old. Wow, you know, trying to understand. I was taking supplements. I mean, kind of nerdy, right? But I think it was really that connection to the patients and knowing that I could do more for them. And, you know, I mean, if they had high blood pressure and their medications kept going up, it's like, well, let's start taking away the mouthwash. And then slowly over time, they would have their medication. Sometimes they'd get off of it. Those are great things you can do for your patients. I feel like you and Peter Atia should meet and do like a longevity book on oral health. I would love to meet that, Peter Atia. He's I mean, amazing. You, that is like, I feel like you guys would just jive. He's very on. analytical. I love his approach. Yeah. Um, and he conveys it very, very well. And he mentioned oral health and disease in his mouth. Yeah. In his book. That's cool. In his book. Why do you think 
people in your field and maybe in the medical and again like anytime we do episodes on this where people are maybe pushing against the common narrative mm-hmm. there's people in the medical field that are sometimes offended mm-hmm. right because they've gone and they've learned this particular approach and mm-hmm. then you're saying something counter why do you think so many people in that field are resistant to new information or counter information because I, I think anyone that's in the medical field dental medical there's a very scientific you mm-hmm. know application to all this right. stuff and you would assume that new data means looking at something from a new perspective but there's a huge resistance and we mm-hmm. saw this over the last few years definitely in, in multiple areas right. i mean we're definitely we pride ourselves as being evidence-based and we do always go to the data and studies problem is is that when you become a practitioner you're kind of out of that. You go from the academic world and then you start practicing. You want to pay off your 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 debt. You, you want to learn. You learn a lot from your patients. I, I love that clinical experience and there's continuing education after the fact. But somehow what is being talked about, like a, the example, a good example would be the stuff that I talked about, about that connection between a bug in the mouth and Alzheimer's. That's being discussed now, but there's a typically a 15 to 20 year delay, maybe 15 to 10 year delay by the time it trickles down to a clinical practice. Is it like a stay in your lane thing? It's stay in your lane, but it's also head in the sand and also clinicians, um, speaking for dentists, but I know that medical doctors are the same. I mean, there are all sorts of issues. And by the way, physicians have a higher suicide rate than, than dentists. So it's, it's a tough job and you're just trying to stay afloat, make some money, Please your patients, keep the insurance companies happy, don't get sued, right? I mean, and in dentistry, you own your own business. That's a lot to take on as well. I mean, and there's a lot of equipment and capital expenditures and and all of that. So, so it's, I think part of it is just hard to, you just don't have the time to do that. I always did it because I was nerdy and loved that kind of stuff. It was a carryover from what I was doing before dental school. You know, I was influenced by Mark Hyman, that whole functional approach. That's wonderful. That made sense to me. But not every practitioner will do it. It's a great question. And I, there is a big disconnect between what we know now and what is actually being practiced. That we know. And there's lots of explanations for that as well. Yeah, because, well, and, and I want to say this, I think most people, including yourself, that get into these fields where you're working with people and trying to help people, they do mm-hmm. it for a good reason, right? Mm-hmm. They act like for, you know, with high intention. Right. But, and I think that there, it's unfair especially for the last few years, to, to assume that people have malintent, right? Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think, I don't know if it's an insurance thing or a money thing or- It partly is. That's it, part of it. Or people- Because you know what the insurance will pay for, so you bill for it. The other thing is, what you just said reminded me of this, is that as clinicians, we get into this rut and we've, we, we know what we can do well that works well for the patient and we keep doing it over and over and over. And then if something else comes down, like a new technique, especially if you're doing surgeries all day long, which is what a dentist does, essentially, then you have to relearn something. If it's a new material, for example, a safer composite, it's going to handle differently. So there's a little anxiety there. And the first question, obviously, usually from office managers, can we bill for it? I mean, it's it, this is a business. Healthcare is a yeah. business, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you were talking about like, basically you become a you go from academia to actually a practitioner. And I think it's the same thing. Like anybody could get a business degree, but it's a much different thing actually running a business, yes. right? Oh. Um, completely. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking about that as you were talking, but it in, in the quote unquote business world, 
as an entrepreneur, when we find new information or see a new tool, people are mm -hmm. quick to, you see, yep. they're fast to jump on it because yes. it accelerates potentially what you're doing or, right. or it maybe gets rid of something that's no longer working. But right. I, I feel like in the medical field, things move so slow for whatever reason. Like we get a little bit of new data, but then things don't actually it does. start to happen. It's very slow. For, yeah. yeah. And that's part of what I speak to with my directory, with our directory of functional dentists are about 300. This is a way to differentiate yourself. Be a functional dentist, find out, you know, connect all the dots in healthcare as a dentist, work upstream of the issue that you're seeing, the symptomology. Don't, don't just treat the symptoms, find out what caused the symptoms that makes for a more loyal patient and people want to seek you out. And I mean, what's happened in medicine is now happening, happening in dentistry. It's, it's being taken over by corporations private equity. And so the dentist isn't their own boss anymore. And so all the, you know, it's going to be hard on a sole proprietor in dentistry medicine. It's too far gone. It's all under one big healthcare, you know, for nonprofit, sometimes for non, no profit kind of health organizations. And, but the quality has gone down. So, so seek someone out that has that functional approach because you're going to get more for your money and they're not influenced by you know, the big, the big corporations and they're, they're going to drill bill and fill. I mean, that's what they're going to do. One thing that I didn't know was non-toxic when I switched my whole household to a non-toxic household was pans. Like I literally didn't know that pans could have a bunch of toxic materials like PFSA, PTFE, PFOA, or all those other hard to pronounce chemicals. But I learned through a podcast episode, I think it was Max Lugavere, that there is a lot of chemicals in cookware. And so I went on the internet and I Googled non-toxic kitchenware and up came Caraway Home. And guys, I was so pleasantly surprised because not only is this non-toxic, chemical-free ceramic coating cookware, it also is gorgeous. It's stunning. It's so pretty that I actually have my bone broth boiling on the stove and I like let it sit out because it's so beautiful. I got the one that's like almost like a white beige. It's beautiful. It's silver details. I got the whole set. I even harassed them to send me all their Tupperware. I put it in Zaza's lunch. And the best part is, is I just know that there's no toxicity to it. So I feel good about cooking eggs for my kids or making pancakes. It's just like, I don't need to worry about it. Visit carewayhome.com slash skinny10 to take advantage of this limited time offer for up to 20% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners and won't last long. So visit carewayhome.com slash skinny10. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. All right, here is the move for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You are going to go on oneskin.co and you are going to get the mineral tinted SPF. It is the best I'm obsessed with the mineral tinted SPF. I'm telling you, it's such a move. I mix mine with the Skinny Confidential depuffing oil, and it gives me the prettiest, nicest, glowiest glow of them all. You will be glowing like an ornament. I'm not even kidding you. I was using this concoction on my vacation recently, and it's just so pretty. So what I do is I do my whole skincare routine, and then I'll do the mineral sunscreen with a little bit of oil. And I'm telling you, you're going to be like, oh my God. When you're shopping on oneskin.co for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, also get their eye cream. It's such a good one. It doesn't cause milia, those little white dots. I've been using it after interviewing the founder, and it's amazing. It lays really nice under makeup, too. 
And every product is designed to reduce signs of aging, which we love. They have data and research on everything they design. But most importantly, there's like an intention. You can tell that each ingredient was picked to help with anti-aging benefits. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. OneSkin addresses skin health at a molecular level, targeting the root cause of aging so skin feels and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off with code SKINNY at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SKINNY15. Now is the best time to invest in your skin. Age healthy with OneSkin. Wisdom teeth. Mm-hmm. We were all told to remove our wisdom teeth. I remember like saving up and booking my appointment to remove my wisdom teeth when I was like 18. Mm-hmm. What is your feeling on that? Well, you were told that and it wasn't a lie. I mean, we are, we are a different, we are different than our ancestors in terms of facial shape and width and, and our ancestors didn't need that. Obviously they didn't have surgeons that could take out wisdom teeth, but but that wasn't a lie. I mean, leaving them in would have been a, a problem. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you would have—they would have impacted. They would have become infected. You would have gotten—you would have gotten cavities on them in weird places. It could have taken you out. I mean, most soldiers before they get into the go into the army, they they have their wisdom teeth removed because on, on the front line that can take you down. Our jaws are too small. We don't have room for the same number of teeth that keep coming in. And that hasn't changed, but the jaw size has. So that was not misinformation. And typically most people, now it was a little bit of a rubber stamp, but 99% of people today need to have their wisdom teeth taken out. And those are the last teeth that come in. And when they come in, there's no space. You can literally see it. You see that second molar pop in and then you look behind it. And then the, 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 on the lower jaw, you see it starts ascending already. You need, you need a little pad back there that third molar to come in. There isn't one. So, and then the reason we do it prophylactically at a certain age, and I would argue that it could be done younger. The reason we do it then is because if you have your wisdom teeth taken out at age 40 or 50 or 60, or even later, the, the sequelae, the, the side effects are much worse and you don't heal as well. And hasn't and, the damage kind of already been done by then if you wait that oh, long? Oh yeah. But yeah, some yeah. people stick through it, you know, and they've, and some people get crowns on their wisdom teeth and have the teeth filled and but you're right. Most of the damage has been done. You're going to start getting bone loss on the back end of your second molar, and you want to keep that. You're going to get gum disease around that tooth. And then if gum disease starts around, it depends on whether the wisdom tooth erupts or not. If it erupts, the tissue around it is going to get very inflamed. And then that little niche biome in there is going to spread to the rest of the mouth. Braces, retainer, mm-hmm. Invisalign. What's your vibes yep. on all those? We all need it. You, Why? you love all those things. Well, I, I, I I don't love it. Uh, it's just I mean, necessary. I would rather not do it. The best dentistry is no dentistry, clearly. Right. And I love Invisalign. Great, great invention. Wonderful. Braces sometimes are necessary. You can't always do Invisalign. But why are we doing this? Because our faces are are small. They didn't develop to their full width and size. And again, the same number of teeth come in. If we were truly evolving in a proper way, we would be getting smaller faces with fewer teeth and they all come in straight. Well, no, we're disevolving or de-evolving. The face isn't growing properly and the same number of teeth come in and that's why we have crowding. That's why we have narrow jaws, small airways. So do you think that's because of mouth breathing, not eating enough chewy food? Like what are all the things that contribute to us not evolving with our jaw? Right. That's part of it. It's also tongue ties, midline defects. It can be 
breastfeeding has kind of taken a second seat there. I hate mentioning that because no, go for it. Well, it's it's you know I'm, I'm a guy and I I hate putting pressure on women. I mean, my wife was a working woman and we had three kids and it was tough. And my daughter, for example, had a tough time breastfeeding, and that's another thing that's probably de-evolving as well. We're we're just not good at it anymore. But that has a lot to do with the development of the face. That that motion of pulling and flattening mom's nipple and expressing the milk, that is fantastic for facial development. Also tongue position and that bone, this this arch-shaped bone down here. All of that is so important. But also chemicals environment, uh, allergies, air pollution, all these things are tied to improper facial development. But chewing, certainly. If you have a kid or you're an adult and you're not happy with the way your jaw looks, mm-hmm. is there, what is it called? It's called a ma- myofascial. What is it called? What's a, well, it's there, like a, a, a doctor that yeah, does. Yeah, myofunctional therapist. Yes. I would yes. start there okay. before you start looking at expansion. We have devices that we can expand the jaw, typically better if it's done before age six or seven. 90% of this development is done by seven or eight years old. So the time to do it is when your children are young. So what the, what this therapist does is teaches your child proper tongue posture. More than that, but that's part of it. Um, what else do they do? Swallow reflexes, patterns. They look for certain things. There's a TikToker now that tells you where to put your tongue so you have a good profile shot. I mean, a lot of that is true. I'm a mewer. Yeah. Okay. Mewing's fine. Huge fan yeah. of mewing. Yeah. I mew in photos. Yeah. I mew. And I also just learned <laughs> that when you mew and you put your t- tongue straight up against the mm-hmm. top of your mouth, mm-hmm. you also want to swallow. Mm-hmm. It's hard like to do for some. Like you're sucking on a tit. Yep. Because the swallowing seals it. I'm obsessed with mewing. Right. <laughs> it, it works. I mean, it, unfortunately, mewing has gotten this reputation like oil pulling where it's, it fixes everything. It doesn't, but they're mewing. It's named after Dr. Mew in England. And he's a very progressive orthodontist. I think he started the whole orthotropic movement. And so mewing is a thing. I mean, it's all about tongue position, but the myofunctional therapist, a lot of kids grow up and they can't swallow properly and they learn something different. And because the tongue isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing in terms of movement, then it's not shaping the lower face. The tongue is supposed to be going up and bulging out and forwards and and from the inside out, from the inside out, that's how our lower face gets shaped. And if that doesn't get shaped properly, then the airway behind it and the airway above it don't reach their full potential either. Then can you, you become a mouth breather. Can you correct it before seven? Yes. You can correct it. Yes. So like with me, mm-hmm. I had double jaw surgery. Mm-hmm. And they broke my entire mm. upper and lower jaw. Right. And not only that, they had to widen the mm-hmm. top, the, what is it called? The palate? The maxilla or the palate, right? Yeah. They yep. had to widen that. And it was a fucking nightmare. Yep. And to and be painful. brutal. brutal. To yeah, be, it is very brutal. It was so brutal yeah. because you, I, I'm so glad I did it now, mm-hmm. but I had a full blown identity crisis yeah. because you blow up, you look mm-hmm. different. Yeah. How old are you? I was, it was, no, I was like 25 and it was when I had started my blog and it was in Mm -hmm. front of all these people and people were saying that like I got all this plastic surgery done and Mm -hmm. it it wasn't, it was Mm -hmm. for that my jaw was crooked. It was like, it was just a nightmare. I mean, you could see, yeah, like and she's posted about it and you can see, but a lot of people, they will look and that she's been open about surgeries too, but that was a huge change. Even when I go back and look at pictures now, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's weird. It looks like I'm looking at a different I have person. Different person. All well, over my it, face. It, it was a different you, and it's not plastic surgery. You probably now look 
like you were meant to look. Yeah, a line. Based, based, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. not only a line, but width and shape and and all that, because that's how that's your genetic potential. That's where your genes would have put you if you had developed correctly. Huh. And I don't know what why the reasons. You know, I mean, what what are the root causes in your case? Was I it, think maybe were you breastfed. Yes. Okay. I was breastfed. Good. I think maybe genetics. I also think mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. I think definitely um, mouth breathing. Huge, the yep. gnarliest thing you've ever heard. Teeth grinding. Like no He's one. Maybe a big snore. Huge snore. Yeah. Huge before she snore. Got the like my jaw was crooked. Always mm-hmm. clicking. Like mm-hmm. TMJ. Just yep. every single thing that could go wrong. And I think the dentist tried with braces and this and that, but it just got to the point where it was unbearable. Right. And I'm glad I did I the mean, surgery. The surgery is. I mean, if it works, it, it's great. And now we would intervene at an early age and just do expansion, which means no surgery. And that also works as well. But you were grinding your teeth because you were struggling for air at night. That's called sleep bruxism. That's a new term in dentistry. Uh, We used to just call it bruxism or grinding. But now we know that the etiology is probably because your mouth is open and your airway is constricted and you have apneas, you're waking up. And it's the, that moment of grinding and bruxing perhaps that, that saves you, that gives you tone in your airway muscles. And so you were, you were mouth breathing. That's why you developed the way you did. And it's interesting because I wear my mouth tape every night, but the one night I didn't wear it, Michael mm. said you were grinding Snoring. all night. Oh, grinding. Yeah, yeah grinding right. all yeah, night. Yeah. And yeah. he said you, all you were doing was grinding and it's because I wasn't wow. wearing my mouth tape. Interesting. The mouth tape has just been so supportive for the surgery that I got. Mm-hmm. I just can't shut up about it to everyone I know because mm-hmm. it's really changed my life. Well, keep, keep talking about it because you, it really works. And if you can't mouth tape, then obviously you have to go see an ENT. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't work. So, I, um, well, that tells you something. You know, means right. you can't nose breathe. Right. Right. You were talking a minute ago, and I think in our preface, what we try to do on this show is to extract as much real information as we can mm-hmm. from people. And I think we live in a weird time now, especially with the internet, where people feel like if it's, even if it's the, the right information they, if it's uncomfortable or, or they hear something they don't like, or mm-hmm. if it maybe goes against a certain, like for example, in your field, I would say you're an expert, right? Mm-hmm. And for you to feel, you know, hesitant, and I'm not saying you do, to talk about proper tongue posture or facial structure development because of women breastfeeding, I think that's part of the problem in the society mm-hmm. we live in. It's mm-hmm. like that may make some people uncomfortable, including women and mm-hmm. men, but if it's, true information, I think what we try to do here is present it. Now, right. People don't have to take it and use it, but right. I think we get into a very dicey place when mm-hmm. people feel scared to actually voice mm-hmm. truthful things. Or their of, opinion. Or their opinion yeah. because of how it makes people feel online. Like if you're feeling a certain way, you're upset about something, you, you have to do some inner work and say, why is that upsetting me? Right. But we, you can't be in a position where you just block out noise you don't like, right? Does that make sense? It's a great point because we are always the bearers of bad news. And, you know, so, so, frankly, we get tired of doing that. So if we think it can slide, we're going to let it slide, perhaps. That's why I like mouth taping. Instead of me telling the patient, you know, you can't breathe through your nose, this is what it's going to lead to, especially with children, moms with their children, go home, mouth tape, and then they come back and they're like, gosh, it worked out the way you did or said it would or it didn't. And what does that mean? And, you know, make them part of the process. And, and the other problem in, in based on what you just asked, we don't have time. We don't have time, especially physicians. They've got their 15 minutes and we can only, we only pick on the, the, the big, big subjects and we don't get into the, into the weeds with all the detail. And, and that's why based on what you asked a while ago, you have to know 
what to ask and what to be aware of. Come in with a list of questions. You have to be well-informed as a patient. This is why we do this podcast though, because now everyone who's listening can have their list Mm -hmm. of questions that they find applicable to their own life, to their kids. Maybe they don't like one tip. They throw that Mm -hmm. away. They can do their curated list that they like and they can take it to their dentist, whether they're in Ohio or France or right. Florida, and they can totally. have information as a patient. No, but there's, you know, and I'm not calling any individual out, but there's practitioners out there in all fields that instead of delivering the hard news, mm-hmm. even if it's truthful, would rather make somebody feel good. Mm-hmm. And I think that that puts people in a very disadvantageous place in their life later when they haven't taken care of root. It's like, mm-hmm. if you came to me, when I did a podcast on this and you were asking me about financial literacy, and I looked at you and said, listen, you're spending too much and mm-hmm. you can't afford your lifestyle mm-hmm. and you need to change things. Right. They'll find someone else. And you're upset. <laughs> yeah. And, but you're upset with me for telling right. you that, even though it's the truth, yeah. like, I can't be worried. Like I have to still give you the correct information. Right, right, Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Or, you know, if you're metabolically out of shape right. and you're Bert, not taking Bert, care of your body. Bert just talked about this. Or you're eating poorly eating and you poorly shouldn't be eating that. And, and, you know, and I know what's going to happen to you if you continue on the path. Like, I understand it may not make you feel good if I say get your ass at the gym and, right. and shut your mouth a little bit, yeah. but like that, but like here's, you still yeah. need to be able to say it. If, oh, yeah. if you get upset at any information that's given, what mm-hmm. I would do is I would say, why is this making me upset? Mm. If someone on the internet calls you something and and it stri- strikes a chord with you, right, and you can't stop thinking about it, there's something about something they said internally that's mm-hmm. making you upset for a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe start to like examine what that is, right. How many people actually do that, though? Well, we're hoping. <laughs> I don't know. I don't that, know. Yeah. I hope. I mean, it's the right thing to do. You know, you should never. Whatever someone says to you, you should always listen to it and and you know don't discount it right away. Um, and in dentistry, we're, we're we we always tell people, you know, they come in, they get cavities all the time, and we always tell them the same thing. You know, you're just not brushing enough. It's kind of like a shaming. We'd rather shame you and tell you what's the root cause. You know, maybe it's something in your diet or, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot going on there, that relationship between patient and provider. And, and it's not all good. And technically by not saying something, even though it may be lower on the scale in terms of priority, that, that technically is malpractice. I also, and this is just maybe for the content creators out there, aspiring content creators, I think it's a lazy practice when you, when you only share opinions or have people on the show or do content with people that agree with your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because then you're just, you're, you're just living in a bubble, right? right? You're just living in this, in a, in a certain bias. And I think what we try to do here is like, I may, we may have people on that we completely disagree with, but mm-hmm. I need, I need to understand why they came to that perspective right, right. so that I can either reinforce my position or change it. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise it's just politics where everyone's agreeing with each other. And you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, Dr. Mark, what do you think about veneers? Porcelain veneers or composite veneers? Ooh, talk to us about both. Well, porcelain veneers are a more permanent product. Uh, It's an indirect method. In other words, you have to come back for them. They're made in the lab. They are by far better than a composite veneer. But there are a lot of cases where you just need to do one veneer or you have to do it in a hurry, like before a wedding or or a TV show or something, which I was faced with a lot of the time. And, and that works well, but it's a lot more difficult to do. So you can walk out with a composite veneer. It's made out of plastic filling material. They don't last as long. They will discolor. Porcelain veneers are absolutely outrageously beautiful and fantastic, but they are being oversold, unfortunately. If you need them, so I would always, I would never bring it up. Same thing with whitening. I would never bring up whitening. A lot of dentists will say, you should whiten your teeth. They're quite yellow. Or you know what? 
you know, you've got good teeth, but you could have a brighter smile or maybe you've got a worn smile. You want to, you want to have teeth, you know, you're 60 years old, but you want your teeth to look like you're 20 years old. That's a big jump. That's a personal decision. But I have a lot of patients that were disfigured. Tetracycline staining. I would not do porcelain veneers if you had a lot of crowding. Get the expansion first. Fix the root cause of why they're crowded. And then do the porcelain veneers if required. Because you don't want that narrow pathway with the veneers. Well, you're cutting a lot more tooth structure off to get rid of the spacing issues. Got it. In you would say areas. do the Invisalign or straightening or spacing whatever, exactly, before you right. consider and that. And then that affects the bond because the bond to enamel is better than to dentin. But you're cutting into dentin, then the veneer will fall off. Usually it's at a party or at a wedding. So veneers are fantastic. I think it's a, a great thing that dentists are able to, I mean, it's your self-esteem. There's so many people out there that really will not smile. You know, they can't. It just, it's too unsightly. And it, it's something out of their control. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was domestic abuse. I mean, these are terrible stories that I can tell you. There was a, I had a patient early on in my career, wonderful man. He was in sales, very well-dressed. Everything was perfect. Eyebrows, you name it, down to the last detail. Skin, San Francisco. But he had tetracycline staining. Every What's time that? he smiled, he was given tetracycline for earaches and, it's a and acne. It's a medication. It's an antibiotic. And we now know better that if you, you shouldn't give it, it's malpractice to give. Although in countries outside of the U.S. it's still being given. I had a lot of patients from Asia that came for cosmetic care and they were being given tetracycline and it disfigures your teeth. It's literally, you know what a good and plenty looks like with the banding and it, your teeth look like good and plenties, oh. but they're yellow and brown and they have stripes, white, orange, brown, rust. I mean, it, it's horrible. And so he just wouldn't smile and he was in sales. So that's a perfect candidate for cosmetic work and get everything else taken care of, fix all the cavities, make sure there's no gum disease, make sure they know what they're getting into, make sure that they know that veneers are expensive, obviously a treatment plan, but also that they need to be replaced, that you are married to this restoration and that every 20 years, if you're lucky, if it's well done, you will need to have them replaced. The technology will get better. And then the whole process of making them look like what I think they should look like. And then sometimes the patient wants to influence you and will make bad decisions. You don't so want to look a, like the chiclets gum. Well, exactly. Yeah. And then and then you need a good lab. And so it's a long process, but typically that doesn't get done. If you go to a real good cosmetic dentist, they're going to do that. They're going to show you pictures. They're going to send you home with Vogue magazines with great close-ups of teeth. And they're going to want to see what you want. And then they're going to convince you of what looks good with your face. Certain facial types have certain kind of teeth. And so I think it's a great thing. That gentleman, I mean, to finish that story, we, you know, we finished the case. It takes a lot of time. It's expensive. We gave him the mirror when we were finished. He started crying. Aww. And we were thought, oh God, <laughs> you know, and he was so happy. He was so happy. He booked a flight the next week home. It was Oklahoma and showed his mom and his mom cried. Oh, I mean, and she felt guilty because she took him to the doctor. That gave him the tetracycline. So, so there are places where this is a very good thing, and it's a wonderful, amazing thing. I call that dentistry 2.0. It's kind of dentistry 1.0 couldn't fix that. Dentistry 2.0 has Invisalign. They've got veneers. We have fantastic ways to fix things, expand jaws, fix airways, and, and all of that. So, so it's a good thing. You just have to know what you're getting into. All your products are safe. No one has to worry about anything I can adults use the kids? Absolutely. Adults can use yeah. the kids. You just gave Zaza vanilla vibes. Your brand is called Fig. Mm -hmm. Feed your good guys. Exactly. 
It's so cute. Thank you. And and my question is, when are you launching floss? Because we just found out uh-huh. floss has tons of chemicals in it. PFAS, right? Not all flosses. You know, the slippery stuff that you get it can you know get in between your teeth better. And a lot of people don't like to floss. It's very difficult. It's painful. And so the Teflon floss, essentially, that's what it is. That's been around for a long time. There are silk. There is 100% silk that is available. That's probably where we'll go with our our brand. But you can get those right now. We have them on our page. We have a store on our page. I feel um, like it feels pretty rich to floss with silk. Silk, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's biodegradable. I mean, that's good. Think of all the floss that's ending up in the landfill and yep. toothbrushes and all that. So, but but it's really important to. There are, most oral healthcare products are doing the exact opposite of what you need and what you want. And again, corporate world, they sell us what we feel we want, but not what we truly need. Which That's I, how it works. I got my blood tested, you guys, and there was high triclosan in it. Yep. And one of the things they told me is toothpaste. I need to check my toothpaste. So mm-hmm. I think that if you have kids or you are wanting to upgrade your oral health, I feel really good about recommending your brand. I feel really good about the toothpaste and the toothbrush i'm going to actually give it to both of my kids and i'm going to take i'm going to take the test the microbiome test oral microbiome testing very important first time we're really able to do it properly a, a shotgun metagenomic approach it's checking all the other tests check for five or six big players this checks for all 700 800 how many ever bugs we've got in our mouth all the different types of bugs can we and do it right a, now? You like, could. Okay. You well, well, yeah, yeah. Him and I are going to do it afterwards. Absolutely. Where can everyone find you? Is there a code for the audience? I didn't ask you this. Is that okay? Can I do a code? will get you a code. Okay. Can I we do code skinny? I love it. Skinny for 15% off? Skinny for 15% off. Yes. What's the website? Website is askthedentist.com and we will provide a code skinny 15. Sounds great. Let's get everyone tested. Uh, you really shouldn't be getting any major dental care, especially in periodontal health, gum disease, deep cleanings, gum surgery, unless you know the status of your oral microbiome. That is what's causing the problem. Find out what kind of bugs are causing the problem and try and make changes before that. Again, root cause approach. A lot of people are running around with these bugs, even in elevated, at elevated levels, like for bad breath, but they aren't exhibiting the symptoms yet. Why not find that out before you get bad breath or gum disease? That's what good high resolution oral microbiome testing. I mean, medicine has testing. Dentistry now has testing. We can we can quantify your oral microbiome. I'm getting my microbiome in my mouth tested. I would highly recommend going to check out their Vanilla Vibes toothpaste and their chocolate swirl. Obsessed with what you're doing. Askthedentist.com and ask the dentist on Instagram. Thank you, Dr. Mark, for coming Thank on. You. I learned so much. I have a page of notes. Thank you. Thanks for your interest in oral health. Thank it's you very for coming important. on. Thank you.